Amen. Good morning, everybody. Man, what a morning. What a morning. What a day. I'm excited because tomorrow we have a team going to Nigeria. And in case you didn't know it, this is Casey and Isaac's last Sunday with us for a while because they are going to the field. They are going to Nigeria. For those watching online in Nigeria, get a good look. You'll see them in person in just a few days. But what God has planned is really nothing short of extraordinary. We've talked about that, right? But it's like the days and age that we live in now... I've come to wake up every morning so expectant of what he will do that day. And God, especially lately, has been holding the timing of things close to his vest. Right? Not because he doesn't want his children to know but because of the warfare that comes against them when it's revealed. Because there is warfare that changes based on a reaction to what God does. If you don't know that, all you have to do is look at what has happened recently with us with the gathering of the prophets. I can tell you personally, it ramped up big huge. And and I'm not talking about even the conversations with them. I'm talking about getting in touch with them. I've I've had easier times getting in touch with congressmen <laughs> that aren't even part of my state that hold no joy in my vote because I'm not in their state. They're much easier to get a hold of. They're much easier in this time of warfare to push through. So this fast that we have been on now for 20 days, in fact, at 6 p.m. tonight, it'll be 20 days up. we got one more day. What God is doing in that fast and in other things coming up as well is breaking through a barrier of the enemy that has been put up. So keep fighting. Keep praying. Keep believing. Because it is your faith that breaks through. Not your intellect. Not even just your obedience. Your obedience has to come in that standard of faith. But it will break through. Just recognize that. Believe in that. Stick close this last day. Press into him. And by the way, when that last day is over tomorrow at 6 p.m., don't stop pressing in. I mean, go ahead and eat. (laughs) But don't stop pressing in. Keep pressing in. Give him everything. Surrender to his will is critical. If you are ever to understand your authority. It comes with surrender. 
And that actually brings up a really interesting note. I'm not going to be preaching to you this morning. The Lord had made me aware yesterday of a word that Bryn had. And, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, well, that's, that's convenient. We're leaving. That's perfect timing, Lord. You, you must know what you're doing. I said, well, okay, we'll let it sit for a minute. Then he kept not giving me something, kept not giving me something. And then yesterday, I was like, okay, are you wanting her, because you made me aware of this word, are you wanting her to, to even give it tomorrow? And you know the back and forth with the Lord sometimes, how he wants you to step in the last minute. Now, he could have told me, but for whatever reason, he wants our surrender to be complete. Even Brins, who did not know that she was giving this word until, what, the third song, I think, I walked over to you? Surrender is a key to the authority that you have. And before she comes up, I want to mention one other thing because we talked about authority last week as well and dropped a few bombs last week. If you, if you weren't here, didn't, didn't hear, you can, I think we put it on a podcast. I think. Can't remember. But I wanted to clear something up with what I did say that can be misunderstood, and that is my love for this country. I adore this country. I love this country. This country was established by God. However, even early on when the enemy came in to try and pervert it, and when I say early on, I mean our founding fathers. I know that sounds crazy because you think they're the ones that established it, but they're not. Go a little further back. I remember when, and this was years ago, the Lord started talking to me about William Penn. I'm like, Lord, I, I, I remember his name in history, but I, I don't know much about him. And he started to show me things about him, started to show me the times he would ride into the woods for days and pray. And then I realized, do you know the, the structure of our Constitution was written by him? Only to be changed, I, I want to say it was revised 87 times before it got in. What's interesting is to go and read his original writings. I say all this because I want you to understand God loves America. God does not love what America has become. But he is about to change all that, which we've talked about many, many times. And the authority that he is giving to the remnant. And as I spoke last Sunday specifically to Ignition. Requires a surrendered heart. Requires just to be hands and feet. 
not to be a decision maker because God's already decided all of that. So we submit to him. And he has shown me a lot this past week. And originally I thought, well, maybe he would have me preach on this this morning. But it's not time yet. So perhaps when I get back, we'll get into that a little bit. I know there's coming a time where we're offline and we are just talking about some things because these are things you have to know. These are things that include you, that are even required of you and me. So until that time, Bryn, come on up. Yeah, all I knew was that the Lord gave me a message and I didn't know when it was for. I assumed it was for when they were gone, but here we are. So I guess it's for today. So going along with what Greg just said, I want to talk about something today that the Lord has been showing me for quite some time. And it is about the authority the Lord is developing upon individuals in his coming kingdom. And it's very different from the type of authority we have seen before in ministry or in church. And usually when the Lord asks me to speak something, it's always about what is to come. And this is difficult sometimes because when you're talking about what the Lord is doing or what the Lord has done, that's a little easier. People receive it. It's recognizable. It's a little more difficult to speak what is to come because we don't have a reference point yet, and it seems kind of abstract. We kind of get it, but we don't. And it feels like I'm always saying things then that people aren't quite ready to grasp or, or aren't ready to hear yet. And so I, I used to wrestle with the Lord a little bit because I would just be like, Lord, why, why, do I, why do we speak things that won't be understood or experienced for another two or three years? And he kind of... He kind of answered me and said, well, if you don't speak it forth now, how are they going to understand it in two years? I was like, oh, okay, right, all right. So there's just a process that our spirit receives something and then it takes time to absorb by the mind and experience with the Lord. I, I do know a time is coming, and I'm really excited about it, but someday when the word of the Lord is preached, it will be taken into the spirit of a person immediately and assimilated and people will be able to walk out immediately what is spoken. But we're not quite there yet. There's still some hindrances to be removed. So for now, the Lord's words are spoken forth and there's an absorption process that takes time. But what I want to talk about is the way that authority has been viewed in the world that we live in versus where God is taking us in new paradigms to what authority looks like in the kingdom. And we're going to start with a couple of verses. These are familiar verses to us, but we're going to start in Mark chapter 1. And we're going to look at the example of Jesus. I'm going to read, I'm going to compare two translations. I'm going to read from the NLT and then compare with the Amplified. But we're going to start in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. 
And it says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Or the Amplified says it like this, they were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching as one who possessed authority, not as the scribes. Then there's this moment where Jesus casts a demon out of a man in the synagogue while people are watching. And further down in verse 27, again, it says, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. And because it's so good in the Amplified, I want to read that verse again in the Amplified. And it says, and they were all so amazed and almost terrified that they kept questioning and demanding of one another, saying, what is this? What new fresh teaching? With authority, he gives orders even to the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And there are other places like this in the Gospels. So notice that Jesus never had any earthly-based position, right? I thought this was depicted really well in the Chosen series, where in the first few episodes, they're having the disciples are having a conversation and they're kind of talking, and one of them's saying, "Well, he's he's not a real rabbi," and they're kind of they've got these confused looks on their faces, like, "Yeah," and they can't quite process that. But the people didn't see him holding a position, but they heard and felt real authority in their spirit that was different. So. There are two types of authority, okay? One is positional authority. It's where a person is assigned a position or earns the right to hold a position based on merit or um, they're hired for a position. This is what most of the authority on earth is at this point. We have bosses. We have teachers. We have managers who are hired for positions. We have officials who are elected for positions. And even in the church, there are positions based on hiring or voting them in or recruitment. For the purpose of, of our talking this morning, I, I am referring to the body of Christ when I'm talking about the authority that the Lord is bringing. But there is a second type of authority that is very different. I call it overcoming authority, which is spiritual authority based on a person's degree of surrender, like Greg just said, and faith. They're overcoming faith. So two types of authority. One is positional. One is overcoming. Positional authority is usually seen. Overcoming authority is built in the unseen. Because it's built by faith, it's built in the heart. It's built in the will and the choices over time within a person that is not seen with natural eyes. So positional authority can be set up by God or by man. Right now in ministry situations, positions have been assigned by man and not God a lot of the times. And it's, it's not that people, I think people mean well, but they only know how to find a pastor for their church a certain way. Or they only know how to hire for positions in ministries the way they have always done it, which is usually by human-based criteria and human evaluation. I know I know many churches like this. They will set out to hire an assistant pastor or a youth pastor or something, 
And the applicants are evaluated based on their education, their experience, whether their personality is a good fit for the ministry or whether their doctrine fits the ministry. So they're looking at and evaluating the outward appearance. And they do this because they're copying the ways of the world who hire based on the same evaluations. But someday, someday, further into time, as the kingdom rises, it will become abhorrent that we ever hired based on those things. It is one of those very backwards things that people don't yet realize is backwards. Many leaders in the Bible who were chosen by God had no qualifications, humanly speaking. We think of, of, of David as a big one. We think of uh, Gideon, think of Joseph. We think of even the apostle Peter, many of the apostles. And I can only think of one who actually had maybe all of the qualifications that a human would want in a spiritual leader, and that was Paul. But he said basically in Philippians 3 that, you know, he had the bloodline criteria of the tribe of Benjamin, and he had studied under all the best teachers, and he did all the right things carefully, but it was all worthless to him when compared to the value of knowing knowing Jesus. It's kind of reminding me lately about how Brooke and Jenna have been speaking about the worship team and the transition of thinking that the Lord has brought to the worship team about how people come onto it. The last thing the Lord is concerned about when selecting a leader of worship is musical skill. Believe it or not, (laughs) the heart is what he sees only and always. And so he draws leaders of worship or even of the avian technical things he draws the leaders and then he gives them the desire and the energy to do the skill i like i just oh just for a second can you imagine if every leadership place position in the body of christ was placed by leaders that the lord drew first and who were first approved by him and and no human criteria entered the consideration like it would be such a beautiful and pure thing yeah so we're not there yet to that beautiful place but for for right now just understand a person in a church or a ministry who holds a position does not automatically have overcoming authority by faith okay backing that position They may be great speakers, they may be servants of people, but they may not actually walk in real spiritual authority. The Pharisees held positions, right, but without true spiritual authority. So the opposite is also true. A person can have strong spiritual overcoming authority by the strength of their faith without holding any kind of seen position or title. And I would say Jesus is our best example of this. Like, we know his deity, but the people at his time, they just saw a man with no established position. But they were astonished at his teaching and his authority. So the world's way establishes positional authority based on human reasoning. God's way first establishes the overcoming authority by faith and then may assign a person into position. And here's the crux of it. This is, this is kind of the whole point of everything I want to say this morning, 
But God's kingdom will see the rise of an overcoming authority behind the seen positions of authority that he assigns people to. He never meant for humans to be assigned to leadership to represent him when they weren't first proven and tested and found worthy of that position. He also never meant for teaching or preaching in his name to go forth without the spiritual authority behind it. Several years ago, the Lord told me that I will never teach anything that I have not first overcome in full by faith. That condition has to be in place before I teach or my speaking would be fraudulent. It would be void of spiritual authority. So anything I've taught in the last few years is because that's in place before he tells me when it's time to speak something. And he's the only one who knows when we've fully overcome in a particular subject. We often don't even know it ourselves. And I'm not saying this to be arrogant or anything like that. It's just a hard line that the Lord has given me. And I'm grateful for it because it says in James that teachers will be judged more strictly. And I see it as a safeguard, you know, in the responsibility of teaching. But what he wants is the positional authority and the overcoming authority to rejoin and match up. And this is getting back to Eden. This is the place where position and faith matched up in the beginning before, you know, for that time before the authority was lost. The authority gained by overcoming faith will happen first in the unseen before the manifestation of seen position. And this is exactly Jesus' example. So as the kingdom rises, overcoming authority by faith is the qualification for position or assignment, just to sum all that up. And we're going to look at two, the paths of two people, one of them being a foreshadowing of Jesus, and that is Joseph, and the other being Jesus himself. And we're not going to get deep into the story of Joseph today, but understand that his path was the same as Jesus' path. In many ways and the same as ours now Joseph obviously didn't choose his path he was more forced into it but we know that he was enslaved he suffered for 13 years and that the Lord tested his character until the time came for his release and when he was released at the age of 30 he had been refined so deeply that he was used as by God as the channel of God's will to save a nation But notice, and this is what I love, he is one of the few leaders in the Bible, and and, I mean, I was trying to think of another one. I, I could only think of him. Maybe you guys can think of someone else. But he was one of the few leaders in the Bible that we don't see any faltering or failing or bad choices happening after the refinement period was complete. As far as we know, there was no corruption or compromise in his position or his calling, and he finished well. But if you think about it, just two months before he was released from prison, you wouldn't have had any hope. He wouldn't have had any hope of any kind of position other than the one he already held in the prison. Yet what he did have was real authority. He had been refined, and his faith was strong, and his surrender was complete. And you could tell that by his speech when they brought him to go stand in front of Pharaoh 
And Pharaoh's like, I hear you can interpret dreams. And he answers, you know, I can't imagine everything he was thinking in that moment. But he answered and said, oh, it's not within my power to do this. But God, through me, can tell you what your dream means. And so the position then came with the spiritual authority behind the position. So following the same pattern and much later in time, Jesus laid aside his position to show us how to have real authority. And though different than Joseph, he did it by choice. He did not think equality with God was something to cling to. He took upon himself the form of a slave and was made in the likeness of his own creation. And I'm going to say something maybe a little bit controversial only because it's not in the Bible. But I believe that at age 30, Jesus had fully overcome the world and the enemy by his faith when he was baptized by John the Baptist. His ministry was his demonstration, kind of like you were talking about in ladies' class this morning. His ministry then was his demonstration of the faith already built. And his death and his resurrection were for us. But his overcoming faith was complete before his ministry began. And I I can't prove this to you in scripture because the scripture is silent from the age of 12 to 30 of Jesus' life. But it's silent for a reason. And the reason is because when we engage in our own death to self process and that overcoming layer upon layer of faith process, we get this understanding by personal revelation. My opinion is that the Lord left it out, that section of Jesus' life, because we'd have to follow the Holy Spirit into the process ourselves to have the privilege of understanding it. And I think that if that part had been written into the Bible, man would have probably made it into a work system when it needs to be a faith road. It has to be a faith road. So many people read the prophecies about Jesus and assume he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with deepest grief because of Gethsemane and the cross. And certainly there was a lot of agony and there was a lot of sorrow with those events. But he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief before he was ever baptized by John the Baptist and set into ministry. He had already suffered deepest grief and overcome even grief itself by his faith because he had overcome death by his faith. And grief comes from death. So going back to Joseph, the preparation for Joseph was 13 years. The preparation for Jesus was the period of time during the 18 years where nothing was recorded about his life. But understand this is the same kind of preparation he's been doing in us for years. We've been fighting down by our faith the same enemies that Jesus had to overcome by his own faith. So before the court of nations cases began four years ago, we obviously knew there was oppression of the enemy, of course. But now, because of our experience there, we understand these oppressions have actual assigned 
names, spirits with names. They always had names. We just now have a little bit more understanding of what the spirits do, what their effect on us can be, and how they work, and therefore we know how to overcome them. We overcome Jezebel, and there are rewards for that. You can read that in Revelation chapter 2. We overcome the spirit of Antichrist, which is the spirit of chaos, when we learn to enter the deep rest of God and never leave it. We overcome the spirit of the false prophet when we overcome deception by the force of our unity. And we overcome Satan himself when we're only led by God's voice and not our own autonomous decisions. When we give up every right to have an opinion or to have a say in any matter other than that which is being led by the Holy Spirit. We overcome him when we permanently put aside any need for title, for position, any need for relevance, any need for human validation. We overcome him when we embrace the breaking down of self and we refuse offense and victimhood. Because these are satanic mindsets that will lead to chaos and destruction that we must overcome by our surrender and our faith. And why? Because he couldn't do that. Only the way of self-death leads to life. We can either, <laughs> we can either choose humility or we can be humbled from the outside Uh, force of circumstances until we choose humility it's easier to decide to choose humility than to be humbled by force okay i was i've done it both ways (laughs) i've been humbled by force until i learned to choose it that's how i know and now i run to humility or run to surrender because being forced in it into it is always the more painful way to get there (laughs) So we overcome Satan when we give up any need to be seen or recognized in the kingdom. And the Lord has been showing me what Satan's original calling was. This is another thing not in the Bible. You'll have to take it to the Lord and determine the truth for yourself. But he was seated on the divine counsel of the Lord. We know that. He had closest proximity to the Father, meaning his position actually required the greatest attitude of servanthood in guarding the Lord's will, serving the Lord's purposes, serving the Lord's leaders. And so what he led was a treasonous coup, becoming then the leader of darkness because of pride. He wanted position. He wanted accolades. He wanted to be like the most high. And this is why the example of Jesus, who actually was like the Most High, gave up his position and took the lowest place. Literally by doing that, he demonstrated for us how to overcome Satan in our own lives and receive real overcoming authority. So what happened when Joseph's time of testing was complete? The validation of Pharaoh, him being set up into position. Literally, Pharaoh saying, this is Joseph. Everything he tells you to do, do it. 
Listen to what he says from, from now on. What happened on earth when Jesus overcoming faith was complete? The validation of the father at his baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Like that, that was real validation upon a life. You can't resume yourself into validation from heaven. You can only receive validation from heaven by way of death of self. And overcoming all that the enemy does in your life by your faith. If the father validates you. You won't have to ask for it. You won't have to go looking for it. You won't have to try to maintain it. It just will be. And that's the only validation that matters. And there's two more important points I want to make about all of this. And the first one is that because Jesus' preparation was complete and now he had upon him the resting Holy Spirit, He already knew what to do with the overcoming authority he had. He finally had achieved by faith this mark of the prize of the high calling of God. And he took it a step further and he chose to lay it down. Let's look at a few verses and I will read these in the amplified version. First, let's look at John. 5 verse 30 through 32 and this is Jesus speaking he said I am able to do nothing from myself independently of my own accord but only as I am taught by God and I get his orders even as I hear I judge I decide as I am bidden to decide As the voice comes to me, so I give decision. And my judgment is right, just, and righteous, because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and the pleasure of the Father who sent me. If I alone testify in my behalf, my testimony is not valid and cannot be worth anything. There is another who testifies concerning me, and I know and I am certain that his evidence on my behalf is true and valid. Man, just get this. The Son of God himself, one of the Trinity, saying, if I spoke on my own behalf, it wouldn't be worth anything. But because I speak the Father's words, I can be certain my words are true and valid. Wow. John 12, next, John 12, verse 49 and 50. This is Jesus speaking again. And he says, this is because I have never spoken on my own authority or of my own accord or as self-appointed. But the Father who sent me has himself given me orders concerning what to say and what to tell. And I know that his commandment means eternal life. So whatever I speak, I am saying exactly what my father has told me to say and in accordance with his instructions. 
Okay, let's look at one more, and this is John 8:28. So Jesus added, "When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, you will realize, know, and understand that I am He for whom you look, and that I do nothing of myself." Of my own accord or on my own authority, but I say exactly what my father has taught me. If anyone who has ever walked the earth had a right to speak from his own authority, it would have been Jesus. But he would not do it. Why? Because if he had, he wouldn't be demonstrating an example that we would be able to follow. By doing it this way, he made sure we could do it. So he overcame in full by his faith. He was validated by the Father. And then he stepped into the demonstration of what it needed to look like. And repeated it over and over again just so we would get it. The Lord spoke something to me in October of 2018. So over five years ago now. And I'm going to read what he said. At the time, I did not understand it. But I do now, based on those verses we just read. He said, I need you to know your authority in me, but also to die to the right to exercise your spiritual authority. What I'm going to do in you, the new things you haven't seen yet, will require total emptying of yourself your rights, your authority even, so that I myself can fill you, move in you, and it will be like it was when I walked the earth, the same. Me inside you doing what I do. I have waited for this time in history ever since I left the earth. And this is the picture of something else. Let's look at Revelation chapter 4. Starting in verse 9. John describes this whole amazing scene before the throne of the Father, and he says, Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. What's a crown? It's a symbol of authority, right? There are numerous references about how the Lord gives us crowns, particularly um, such as the crown of life when we endure under suffering. So we... Follow the example of Jesus, we endure, we believe, we surrender, and in time, we receive real overcoming authority. And then again, following his example, we lay that authority down before him and say, Lord, even my authority is laid down for you to use. And we continually hand that back over to him. So in that verse, what we just read, there is that word, whenever. Whenever the living beings give glory to God, the elders fall down and worship the one on the throne, laying their crowns down. This is not a one-time thing. It's whenever. It's continuous. 
See, Jesus first surrendered so we could surrender. He first believed so that we could believe. He gave up his authority to receive it again by his own faith to lay it back down continuously. So we overcome by our own faith. We receive the real authority and we lay it back down continuously, casting our crowns. So we can say like Jesus, I don't speak on my own authority. My authority is laid down. So that which comes through us is him. And then he becomes our validation. He becomes our relevance. I am not relevant. Bryn is not relevant. But I will give myself so that he can validate himself through me. He can be relevant to anything he wants to be through me. He can do the same through you. This is the spiritual authority the Father always wanted for every one of his creation. And we know this. We talk about it all the time. But there's a few more verses I want to look at just in quick succession here on that topic. First, in Genesis 1.27, when God created human beings, he blessed them and he said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. And let's look now at Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. This is the Lord speaking to Moses to give instructions to Israel. And he says, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. And then we'll skip all the way to the end. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, uh, 4 through 6. It says, Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father. Okay, and one more, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered. And your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. So Jesus paved the way for a rulership by spiritual authority through his people. He gave that priestly authority to Adam and Eve and they lost it. He then established the law, still wanting a kingdom of priests through Israel, and they couldn't make it happen. And now for everyone, we have this opportunity to be set apart and purified and prepared because of the blood of Jesus so we can do what God saw in his heart the whole time. He has made them a kingdom of priests for our God, and they shall reign on the earth.
priests have a dual role. They minister first to God in continual focus, and then they intercede for the people. Jesus, our great high priest, ministered to his father first and now ever lives to be our intercession, right? Joseph, as a foreshadowing, was appointed by Pharaoh. He was validated and then became intercession for the saving of many people. So we are also meant to follow Jesus' example in this way. So that the spirit can descend and rest on us and we become intercession for his people. I've been understanding more about the Lord, how the Lord thinks about intercession. We often think of intercession to be simply prayer. And it is prayer. But there is a higher place of intercession that God wants to bring us into where our lives are the intercession. Just like Jesus intercedes For us, by the force of his very overcoming life, there is a point coming for all who will truly follow Jesus into that preparation where in the spirit our lives will stand as intercession. It's a greater level of intercession than prayer in the traditional sense. And I don't mean we won't pray, but I mean that prayer becomes continual, never-ending unity, never-ending communion, never-ending rulership based on overcoming authority, where just like Jesus, our lives then intercede. Times of prayer are for our sakes to get back to the point of being a continuous priest, ministering to the Father where our Lives become the intercession for others simply because we exist in a faith that has overcome the enemy. And because what he does through us then is intercession itself. The force of Jesus perfected faith pulls us into his level of faith. So then ours pulls others into that same faith. Because it's faith that powers everything. It's a force we can't see, but it drives everything in the kingdom forward. Intercession will become a continuous, unified stand of faith with physical words or without physical words. Jesus intercedes for us by his words. But if he never prayed another prayer for us or he never spoke another word on our behalf... His life has already permanently spoken on our behalf. And we will come into doing the same for others. Okay, this is, this is not blasphemy. This is following our great high priest and his ultimate example to become a priest for our God. The thing that Jesus came to make us into. I want to just close with a word that I wrote down from the Lord on Christmas Day that that kind of sums up all of this. And this is this is what he gave me to write down. As the kingdom comes, there will be a complete revamping of how the father's people will be viewed instead of ministry influence and popularity 
coming from a size of congregation or social media following. Real influence will come from the power of the Spirit validating himself through human vessels of humility and righteousness who seek no popularity. Human validation will dissolve up against the demonstration of the Father's validation. One will fade away as the other is pursued at all costs. His presence and power will be seen upon a life only because that life previously sought first the kingdom quietly for years. These ones are driven for desire for proximity to him only. They've allowed the deep sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to bring them through the fiery purging away of self to the place of full maturity, made holy as the brothers and sisters of Jesus. Once he begins to show himself through this emerging group of people, nothing will ever be the same. Their existence as true children of light, will render everything once thought of as ministry to be inferior, empty, and dry. The sleepy church will be jolted awake and forced to decide whether to allow that same purging process of fiery sanctification to become hot or not. Just as it was when Jesus' life provoked instant choice, For the powerful presence on him could not be unseen once it was seen. So it will be now. This is all coming. The rejoining of overcoming authority with positional authority. The restoration of the priesthood in full, one person at a time, until the earth is governed by his kingdom of priests. Ministering to him first and then becoming intercession for the ones still to come. And this is what the preparation has been about. It's like strong, deep roots of a tree. Like roots grow in the dark. They're hidden. They're ugly. They're unruly. They're not seen. Kind of like the years of Joseph's preparation and the years of Jesus' preparation. The quiet years where faith had to be chosen over and over and over again when no one was watching. But the roots is where the life is, right? The nourishment is there. The stability of the tree is there. The, the future of the tree is secured in the roots. The future fruit that will be produced is determined in the roots. The longevity of the tree is determined there in the unseen. Meaning it's there that it's determined whether we falter later in calling or we finish well. And honestly, there's also no finishing, actually. Uh, not in the mindset of the kingdom that the Lord is offering here on earth. This kingdom will carry into eternity. We're not here just to be prepared to carry out a calling here on earth. We're being prepared to carry it forever. 
I, I think we'll have to talk about this another day, but this forever mindset, it's not like we have life on earth and then that life in heaven, but it's the mindset of one seamless, continuous life. Like if, if Lucifer could start out in the splendor he had and start out blameless and live his calling just fine for a time, it does say he did, for a while, and then he could turn away, I don't, I, you know, it's, I don't think that at some point we're going to just be able to sigh with relief and be like, whew, now we, we can let down vigilance. That can actually never happen. But our roots are strong and they're getting stronger. And we, for the most part, we don't even know what we're being prepared for. Like, don't be worried if you don't know what that is. Joseph didn't know. I, I'm not sure Jesus even knew the full extent of it. I asked him once if he knew when he went to the Jordan River that day, if he knew what was coming. And he didn't answer my question. He just said, I walked step by step in full faith in my father. And his example is amazing. And because of him, no matter what comes, even in the next few months, we have an amazing life and an amazing future. So we're, I'd like to close with a song. Do we? Can we do that? Yeah, okay. They're going to play a song, and then, Greg, you can come up and pray whatever you want to. washed our sins away and brought us into light of day to me the glory to me the power
going to have the, uh, uh, the group that is going tomorrow to Nigeria. Go ahead and come up here, obviously, the two of you, and then the three of you, you two and you. And normally Wendy's the one that prays over all of us, so I won't have her pray but I'm going to have Jeff and Bryn come up and, and pray over this team that's leaving tomorrow and especially uh, praying for Isaac and Casey for their settling in, for their getting used to 800-degree weather. But uh, uh, So, Bryn, we'll start with you and then go with you. Oh, Father, I just love your plans. I love your plans for this whole group. Lord, I'm excited for them. God, I thank you for the sacrifice of Casey and Isaac, their hearts, their readiness to come and be your hands and feet, Lord, in a completely different continent. Lord, I thank you for all of their preparation and their hard work and their hearts being prepared to go and stay and assist and and be everything that you need there to propel your work forward. And God, I just, I know that for us, we're seeing them go, but they have had months of thinking and preparation and and all culminating to this moment, God. And we just, we are, are so proud of them for all of it, even before they get there. God, I just... I just commit them to you, Lord. I know that they love you and they want to to do everything that you have in your heart and plans for them. And Lord, we'll miss them, but we we thank you, God, that we know they will be perfectly in your will and in your plan, and we are no less connected when they are there than when they are here. And I just ask that you would give them clarity and wisdom and excitement and even a peace after all the preparation to settle into what you have. And, Lord, you would use them powerfully. I know that you will use them powerfully. And we just love them so much, God. And I I thank you for the others going on this as a shorter trip 
Oh, Lord, that you would just speak to them, give them revelation, give them strength, just open them up in every way, every single one, even the the Twiddells who go often, but even for Anissa and Waldo and Wendy, God, just open them up and speak. And may they impart everything that you have. May they just be your channels that you can just speak and give and and encourage in all the ways that you have for them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, amazing Father, for these incredible people, friends, family. And you are the greatest travel guide that anybody could ever have. And this trip was set in place by you. You've planned everything, the entire agenda. I don't think you've told Greg the entire agenda, but I know that you have an amazing travel experience for your kids. And so, God, I pray for every experience possible that they can have. I pray that you would blow their minds in a spiritual wonder as they're there. I I ask that the travel would be but a blink of an eye. I really do. I pray that it would not be burdensome, that it would not be heavy, that it would just be joyful. And they would enjoy the company of themselves and the people they sit next to, the people they interact with in the airports. Lord Jesus, you can do that. I believe that's the way you want it to be. I don't believe that this trip in your eyes is anything but glorious for these these kids. And I bet you're anticipating this for them greater than they are because you know every piece of it. So I pray, God, I thank you, actually. I thank you for your provision. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for what you've already planned. Thank you for what you'll teach them. Thank you for the adventure, especially for Waldo. I got a few minutes to talk to him a couple weeks back, Lord, about this trip, and, and it's a big one for him. And I don't believe he'll ever be the same after this trip. I know everybody else is already gone, but I just don't believe he'll ever be the same, and you want it that way. So, God, just build him up in his faith. I pray for an excitement in him, God. And I thank you for preparing all of us through the fast for this trip. And, Lord, I know you have so much in store. So to you be the glory. Amen.